This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Welcome to the PR Pod, the essential podcast for emerging public relations professionals. This episode, I want to give you some insight into working with non-profit organisations. My guest is Deborah Sobel, a managing partner at Verity London, a purpose-driven strategic communications agency based in London. Non-profit organisations are one of the sectors Verity London focus on, and Deborah's team has produced several award-winning campaigns in this space. So she's perfectly placed to discuss what makes a non-profit PR campaign successful. Welcome to the PR pod, Deborah. Thanks for having me. So Verity London has worked with several non-profits or not-for-profits as they're also known over the years. And for those who are unfamiliar with non-profits, can you give me a little bit of background or give us a little bit of background on the role they play in society and what they offer to people? So they play a hugely important role in society. They are the organisations, the charities, uh, part of the third sector that will will act in the public interest, take a key societal issue or a key societal challenge, uh, and they are the ones not for financial gain, but obviously not for profit, as their name suggests, um, will be the ones in the communities trying to, to solve those issues. And they go across all kinds of sectors. There's obvious ones where we think about in terms of um, health and charities, but really it's a lot broader than that, isn't it? It is much broader than just uh, the health sector or 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 charities, but these are organisations that whatever the issue is within any community across the world, they will be the ones on the ground tackling it. So whether that is climate change or sustainability or women's empowerment and gender equality or healthcare issues, they are the ones, these are the, these are the incredible people and the amazing organisations um, that are there solving these challenges and providing the solutions and providing the support, uh, whatever is needed. And their resources are always quite limited, certainly in my experience of dealing with non-profits here in Australia. I mean, you can have really big organisations that have been around for a long time that are obviously far more established and have greater fundraising capability for whatever reason. Then you have smaller ones. But what I've found is that the marketing and PR teams always require support. Uh, They're generally either a marketing manager or maybe there is a PR manager, but generally don't have the resources or the time to be able to roll out a campaign as effectively as a PR agency would, and perhaps they just don't have the experiences that a that a sector specialist agency or freelance consultant would have. So, how does Verity London step in? What services do you provide nonprofits, and what do you what services do you find they are after the majority of the time? And I would just um, just add to your question also that actually that's assuming they even have the in-house capacity at all. There even is that person. And, you know, and often when a charity is smaller, they don't even have that, you know, that person or they don't have those core capabilities. Um, so we understand that, too. So we're a we're a strategic communications agency and and we will go in. It, it depends uh, what that particular not for profit needs. Uh, but it's not for us. It's not just about running those campaigns or, or um, setting into action those initiatives. Actually, it's working with the organisation to uncover really what they stand for, to be able to help them articulate their messaging so that when they do go out and speak to people and speak to all those key stakeholder audiences, actually they are differentiated. It's very clear what they stand for. They're very targeted in their approach. It's we're strategic communications because we do the strategic thinking bit first and that is crucial before any campaign any bit of content any bit of creativity is put out there 
Um, it, it's really being able to take a step back, being able to look under the hood of that organisation, however big or small, and say, well, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve here? And how is communications, how is PR, how is your marketing going to help you um, be successful? When it comes to identifying those target markets, um, I guess in a very general sense, a lot of people are empathetic to a, a large number of causes. So how specific do you get with your campaigns? Let's say it's something to do with, um, uh, let's say it's a, a supporting those living with breast cancer. I guess one of the markets could be um, children who have lost mothers, uh, parents who have lost children with breast cancer. So is it about identifying all those tiny little niches versus everyone, of course, is going to be empathetic to this cause, so let's just target everyone? I think you have to understand target segments and who you know how you're segmenting your audiences very very well um, and I think that that does again come down to the strategy and understanding it, it's it's two things it's understanding what messaging you want to put out and what you need to achieve so is this for fundraising is this for raising awareness um, is this to change perceptions of something is this to get a certain story or a certain person out there uh, you know is this about thought leadership that's where you sort of start to understand what you're aiming uh, to achieve with any given campaign. Then it's understanding, okay, well, what do we want to say? And what does success look like for us? And actually, what will our target audiences, what do they need from us? What do they need to hear in order for us to raise the funds, to, to bring more donors on board, to, to raise more awareness of a particular issue, to get people on board, to build advocates you know, all those kind of things. And there's a there's a difference between narrow casting and broadcasting. So you might have a message, and it totally depends on the campaign, that absolutely you will broadcast. You'll start with your inner circle, your key influencers, the people that that, that particular issue, if it is breast cancer, that, that you know that you will touch and will be touched by that particular, uh, by breast cancer. And then it's going wider to say, okay, what story can we tell and how can we engage people that maybe haven't been touched by this? How can we engage them and how can we bring them in um, so that so that you know they also align with us and we 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 emotionally have something to say to them that they want to be part of what part of our campaign they want to give to us or they want to sign up for our newsletter or whatever whatever it is. Narrowcasting is when you just go for a very particular audience. And in certain campaigns or instances, that will be entirely successful and appropriate. So it's whether we broadcast or whether we narrowcast. Uh, and sometimes you do both. <laughs> but it depends, you know, depends on the campaign and what you want to achieve. I guess one of the challenges that you would face constantly is no doubt a lot of the time, are lots of competitors that have similar messaging, similar goals, and trying to get cut through for the messages for your particular organisation that you happen to be working with. How do you go about... Um, distilling what it is. I mean, I would understand that each organisation would hopefully have had that distilled, but that perhaps is where you step in as well to help them refine that messaging. But once it is refined, it's it must be difficult to get cut through when there's a lot of other charities or non-profits that are, that are preaching a very similar message. How do you navigate that? And, and this is about not just um, the services a particular not-for-profit offers, uh, but it's about, about developing a voice um, in a particular 
area as well. So what do you have to say? What thought leadership can you put out? What value can you add in terms of your voice, whether that's on policy, uh, whether that's on a particular campaign, or how can you advocate for a, a particular issue that differentiates you, that, that means you have something of value to add to people, that people will want to sit up and listen to you, coupled with your particular expertise as a not-for-profit organisation, what makes you special what makes you different what makes what gives you enormous credence um, and that comes down to showing uh, the impact uh, that you make as well the real tangible results that people can absolutely buy into uh, and very easily grab hold of um, I know Verity London has clients in the non-profit space and in the corporate space when it comes to creating campaigns for them I mean I, I understand especially from my experience as well that you still have to follow the same structure and format and research and brainstorming when it comes to uh, creating a campaign are there any differences between a campaign for non-profit and a campaign for a corporate client? Uh, there are, and, and some of that comes down to the sensitivities um, of a particular issue that's being uh, tackled. Um, for example, with charities, we would look at a donor cycle. So whereas with corporates, we might look uh, you know, at their customer life cycle. For charities, it will be very slightly different. We'll be looking at their donor life cycle, if fundraising is a particular uh, key aim. But otherwise, the general overarching principles of how you how you create uh, a communication strategy, how you put a plan into action, how you then initiate uh, a campaign, pretty much is the same. Follows the same uh, the same rules. You know, it, it it is about getting the messaging right. It's about setting your goals. It's about aligning your communications objectives with your organisational objectives. Uh, it's about looking at your, your target audiences. It's about do, taking that time to do the stakeholder mapping, understanding who you're talking to and which messaging needs to go to which audiences to totally hit the mark, to be entirely relevant, to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it follows the same principles, but but often with the charities, it, it, is, it is maybe that added layer of those sensitivities and those sensitivities step in when it comes to spokespeople as well. So, I mean, obviously you would have a CEO or a managing director or whoever is leading that organisation, but uh, quite often you would be able to utilise if you have relevant case studies and people that have been through the experiences or have um, benefited from the services or the products, whatever that non-profit um, uh, is responsible for, you have the added bonus of being able to utilise them as spokespeople. However, the sensitivities come with that in that they are... Um, sometimes they're very informed and they're very confident and they're great spokespeople and other times they can be um, it can be harmful to them to be able to be in a position where they're now under scrutiny from media so how do you navigate the spokesperson element of utilizing people that have engaged with a uh, engaged with a non-profit yeah and that's that's a really important point that you raise um, and and in any situation you have to sort of look at the risk uh, and you have to make sure that um there's no voyeurism that you're not if it's not uh, someone from the organization but someone the organization has supported that it's not exploitative that it's not voyeuristic um and that that you're you're putting their their either their story out or you're putting them in front of the media in a very sensitive very well thought through uh, managed way um th that's absolutely crucial if we're talking about um 
someone from the organization those are conversations we very much have uh, with charities all the time who is it from your organization that is that is comfortable in front of the media that it that, that knows what they want to talk about that, that can handle maybe more challenging questions um, and and we would do media training for some of that um, and very much work with that person um, on on the appropriate answers and making sure that they're really enabled and empowered to get their message across. I imagine it also enables you to uh, target different demographics of a campaign. So if you've got a case study that lives in a particular region or area or, or small town or village, it gives you that extra leverage of being able to connect with the local media. So there are certainly advantages to have a handful um, of case studies kind of dotted from the areas that you really want to most target. Yeah, absolutely. And it also shows that you're on the ground. Uh, we're working at the moment with an organisation in Africa. And a conversation we literally were having um, very recently was was about how do they... They're really on the ground. They're really hands-on. They have such immense knowledge that's so valuable because they're on the ground. So getting for them, getting those case studies from the remote villages, etc., is vital because it really shows how much value they added. Um, and then it shows the international community uh you know how valuable this charity is and and and, you know to work with them because they're really uh, they have those relationships and they can make things happen within those within those particular communities but uh, you know you're talking about local media you're talking about international media it's 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 very much understanding um what those journalists want from you and 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 either tent pegging, so hooking it to a particular event or a particular local happening or a particular something that's, you know, in the news at the moment that's very relevant, hooking the story to that, um, tent pegging it to that, or or that there is that local regional interest that will, you know, be very relevant to, to a particular to a particular community, but but or having that very uh, value add thought leadership that moves the narrative on. Uh, across a particular societal issue, for example. And what do you think are the um, biggest challenges that PRs face when they're creating and executing campaigns for nonprofits? And what tips do you have for conquering some of those um, more more commonplace challenges that you're likely to face? So challenges when working with with not-for-profits, I think it's always really important to be very much aware of budget. Uh, You know, we said right at the top, they're not for profit, not for financial gain. Often the, the purse strings are, are quite tight. Um, you also, on the other hand, you get what you pay for. But it's about being targeted um, and working with a charity to make their, their resources, to, to enable their resources and their capacity um, and their budget to stretch uh, and be as successful for them uh, as possible. So when we would start any particular campaign, it, it's very much looking at what they want to achieve, setting very ambitious goals, but realistic goals as well. You know, we can produce all kinds of fantastic campaigns, um, but if they can't, they can't afford um, for us to execute them or even for themselves to execute them to a quality, um, it won't get the results. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing uh, is for, for not-for-profits, um, sometimes to be a bit bolder, uh, than they might otherwise be to to you know to to yes do all the all the risk analysis that's required but actually sometimes to step out of their comfort zone um, and be prepared to make an impact or make a statement or where totally appropriate and when it's all been strategically thought through. 
I imagine that's quite a big step for a lot of these um, non-profits because they are cautious for so many reasons because of the sensitivities of their of their messages and because of the people that have been through whatever traumatic experience they may have been through. So I imagine that can be particularly difficult as to trying to break through that and allow them that we have to have a sense of um, not transparency and that, that they hide information, but I guess in allowing people to be a little bit more privy to the information in order to feel connected to them. Yeah, a hundred percent. And sometimes it's it's we're asking people to show their vulnerability, you know, with certain campaigns as well. Um, but as long as it has been thought through and it is done sensitively, and there is that real strategic thinking piece that goes behind it, um, then it can be unbelievably uh, powerful. And I would say the last thing uh, when we work with some not-for-profits, it's also just um, broadening them out. So. To explain, it's not just about what they want to say or need to say or need to achieve. It very much is turning the thinking on its head and understanding what will impact upon the target audiences. What do they need from the charity, uh, from the not-for-profit? So turning that slightly on its head in order to get the greatest influence and impact possible. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, In terms of your experiences at Verity London. I know you guys have created some very successful campaigns over the years. Can you give me an overview of a few of those campaigns and uh, maybe highlight some of the tactics or elements of those campaigns that really made them stand out and be so effective? Yeah, so if we literally just focus on um, the last year, because my goodness, what what a year it's been. Um, <laughs> with lockdown, you know, with the pandemic, with, uh, we've had Brexit. <laughs> um, you know, but with funding crises, massive funding issues uh, for not-for-profits. So for our clients, um, literally just over the last year, it's been so important that we work with them to get their messaging right. Um, They have had to go out there um, and seek more funding. If they don't get government funding or the government funding is is not enough, uh, it's been vital that we help them craft their messaging and create campaigns that make a make an impact that show people the need for for their vital services to carry on and to get donations in a time when I mean here people are furloughed you know people are losing their jobs businesses are closing the the balance uh, with those campaigns is so important so I'll give you an example of a couple of the the campaigns that we've worked on uh, with charities there's uh, an an incredible charity we work with uh, called Norwood who support uh, vulnerable children and, and children with special educational needs and um, and through to adults with learning disabilities. And they, like many charities, have an annual fundraising dinner. And that is where they raise the, the money that they need to fill their funding gap for the, for the rest of the year. And obviously, no one's been able to have face-to-face dinners. So they came to us and said, OK, how can we reimagine our event? What can we do? We produced... Um, or we proposed and then we produced a 55 minute, I mean, celebrity packed uh, online program, like a very high quality broadcast television program um, online. Uh, and tickets were, you know, distributed beforehand. It was an exclusive event. They had to log in at a certain um, time. And whereas normally they'd get X number of people coming to their dinner, you know, it, a hall can only hold that many people. Um, over 10,000 people viewed uh, the program on the night. Uh, We had Jonathan Ross 
presenting and all sorts of other celebrities, three very powerful appeal films within the programme and very clear messaging around how to donate. Uh, and we worked very hard on that narrative uh, around what the need was, why this this charity had to continue their vital work, how they'd been uh, supporting people during the pandemic and uh, projecting forward in terms of in terms of the need. Um, and I'm thrilled <laughs> to say that they they raised an astonishing three million pounds uh, British pounds in one night. I mean, it was Amazing. a huge success, huge success. And they had content that we put out beforehand leading up to tease the event online. Uh, and then they had content, lots of Moorish useful uh, value-add content um, broken down from the programme to use after the event as well so that so that those appeals for donations carried on beyond just the night itself. So that was a fantastic uh, example of how... You know, I suppose when you're up against challenges, um, creatively how you can rethink and how you can reimagine. Uh, and that was very successful. And just on that one, sorry, before you go on, um, that model of, of how you created that event, do you feel that even when the restrictions lift and you, whether it's a year or two years time, you are able to have those face-to-face -face events again, do you feel this model was so successful that it might even take over the place of having to do those events. So I think that's such an interesting question. And that's, uh, it's, it's something we're discussing with many of our clients at the moment. During lockdown, people, <laughs> I don't mean this, when people were sitting ducks, you know, we're, we're, we're still in lockdown, we're all at home. And I think it was the perfect platform and the perfect medium for that particular moment. I think there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from it. I think people were very engaged with it. And the fact that it achieved such an incredible uh, donation amount, um, we absolutely have to say, what can we take from this? I, I, I don't think we will go back ever to just going back to those traditional fundraising dinners again. I think this has shown us there are absolutely other innovative avenues and ways um, of getting our messages, particularly for not-for-profits, getting our messages out there. I think people are a little zoomed out mm -hmm. at the moment. I think psychologically, when we can, people will want the face-to-face -face again. So the conversations we're having at the moment is, OK, how can we take the best of both worlds? How can we create some kind of hybrid where we take those lessons and we really, you know, we create something very innovative moving forwards? So that was one example uh, of creating a program. And that got media interest, uh, obviously, because we had celebrities attached to it. Uh, another online program uh, around mental health. Uh, we helped shape and define the the, the narrative uh, around mental health. And it was a program also that went out uh, online for a mental health charity. And that got 2,500 uh, viewers. Uh, and really interesting conversation around what this charity does. And mental health is such an enormous issue at the moment. Another charity, West London Zone, so they're an amazing charity. They work in one of the most unequal parts uh, of the UK. Um, and they work with children and young people and they support them to achieve their goals and very much give back uh, to, their, to their community to make the, the community uh, an even better place. And with them, we worked on their communication strategy and worked on uh, the communications plan and what their voice would be in and on uh, the sector and help them develop themes. So one of the themes, to give you an example, was bridging the gap. So looking at how we talk about how we plug the opportunity gap 
um, and then getting key influencers on board and and how we would develop that thought leadership to really sort of promote their voice and their expertise around how you fill this gap and how no child falls through. No child is left behind. And just another example of um, a campaign we've doing over the past year um, is the 36-hour match-funded online campaigns. And again, because we've had to move things on more online, we were online before, but move things more online, again, it's how do you build the interest, how do you build the excitement, how do you build the engagement? Um, and the 36-hour match-funded charity campaigns have, have been very successful um, for our clients. So where you, you tease and you build people up to just a 36-hour period where all those donations that come in are match-funded um, and it, it creates the sense of an event and the sense of a real excitement and all the content is shaped around, you know, the impact that can be made with the money raised just in those 36 hours. Sounds like you've been busy <laughs> and this is just your non-profit client. So, you know, as an agency owner, I'm very well aware of... Um, the fact with non-profit clients, generally um, they are on reduced fees or certainly they are in Australia or they are pro bono for elements of their campaign. Yes. So with Verity London, um, how do you balance corporate clients with non-profit clients? Um, because you obviously need money to be able to help you do the campaigns for non-profits. So how do you get that balance with clients? So when we set up the company uh, in 2006, Myself and my business partner, Karen, have always had very purposeful leanings. So we are a purpose-driven strategic communications agency. So even with the brands and the corporates that we work for, it's, it, it's very much on purposeful communications. So, so helping them sort of tell their story around the positive impact they make in the world, the positive difference uh, that they make to their employees, to, you know, with their supply chains, within the communities that they operate. And, and purpose is so, so important now and it's becoming so much higher on the agenda. And it's, for me, it's not just the not-for-profits that make the most incredible difference, but business that has a responsibility to make the most enormous difference as well and to, to have that core purpose within it. So we love to work in the purposeful space. So, that, so yes, with the corporates and the brands to help them develop their voice on that uh, and communicate that, but for for uh, not-for-profits who are obviously innately purposeful, helping them elevate that message as well. And yes, money can be tighter in the not-for-profit space, and we totally appreciate that, but that's why it's being clever around you know, how we resource and the campaigns that we run to, to just make sure we're the most successful we can possibly be for those clients. And something we developed many years ago um, is a bolt-on sort of ad hoc consultancy service, particularly for our not-for-profits. So if they don't have uh, the budget or the resource to, to bring us in to produce a full-blown uh, campaign, um, that we will do that strategic thinking with them or that we'll empower them to to plan a particular campaign or we'll check in with them or we, we, we fill the skills gap uh, for the time that they need their skills gap filling <laughs> um, and do that in the most effective way just to, to enable uh, to enable charities to you know to achieve success in their campaigns and to move forward you know I imagine sometimes in a, again certainly in my experience sometimes they just need a little nudge or a little bit of assistance to propel them forward with a messaging around a particular campaign or the execution of a campaign um, or just even an arm of that and that would make a significant difference in what they're able to do and then they can kind of take a rest from PR and then pick it up again at another strategic time in the year. Absolutely yeah absolutely but for, for me it absolutely comes down to getting the strategy right 
in the first place. So, so to have the overarching communication strategy in the first place, and that aligns with the organisational objectives and the organisational strategy. So for, for, yeah, for us, when we would go into a, a charity client, it is very much making sure that that strategy is in place first and foremost, because otherwise campaigns just will not be as successful. They'll be slightly more knee-jerk and slightly less thought through. Absolutely. It's the same for um, corporate clients as well. However, yes. in the nonprofit space, when you're dealing with less budget generally, and you're trying to give them even more ROI um, for that, considering the sensitivities around what they're trying to do and you wanting to help them out with that message, um, you certainly want to make sure that you are very strategic in what you're achieving for them. And I guess that kind of ties in quite nicely to my last question for you, which was tips for... Um, agencies that would like to start working more in the nonprofit space with their clients or for uh, freelance PR consultants that want to stick their hand up and do some work with some nonprofits. What tips do you have for them when it comes to creating and executing effective PR strategies? I mean, obviously, as you've said, the strategic element of yeah. um, making sure you do that quite comprehensively before you get going in a campaign is obviously so crucial. Yeah, it is so crucial. And I would just add to that, just being aware of the different platforms and the different channels uh, that are available and, and making sure that everything is measurable as well. And that's crucial for for not well, crucial for everybody, every client, but for not-for-profits particularly, because you have to know that, you, that, that any money that you are spending really is bringing uh, the results that, uh, that you need. Uh, so that's the first thing I would say. For anyone uh, else wanting to work in this space, I would say you genuinely have to be passionate about the cause. Uh, and you have to put yourself in your client's shoes and, and understand what they're really trying to achieve, what their credence is, how you know, what makes them so good uh, at what they do, the, the real tangible difference uh, that they're making, and to, to be able to then find those stories that bring that bring that to life but but yeah it, it given given the not-for-profit space I, I really do think you have to genuinely um be excited and feel inspired by what uh by what your clients do uh that's that's the first thing the other I suppose tip I would give um is to be aware of the market and and I think because we cross corporate and not-for-profit um, we can bring the best of what we learn uh, and what we do in the corporate world and bring it to, to not-for-profits. And I would say just because they may not have uh, as much, as big, as large a budget does not mean um, the not-for-profit cannot be super creative, super impactful, um, you know, incredibly innovative um, and, and can't take the best of the corporate brand world and, and bring it into their campaigns. And vice versa, actually. Uh, I think, you know, brands and corporates sometimes can learn a lot um, from seeing what, what charities do as well um, on, on, lesser, on lesser budget. So I would say it's important to understand the landscape as well and to, under, to, to look at the market and to, yeah, to, to think big in terms of what can be achieved. Yeah, not just focus on the limitations of what you've got to work with. No, and it's very interesting. And sometimes those limitations can actually lead you to be even more creative and achieve yeah. even greater things. It's so interesting. And the, I mean, that's a Norwood is a case in point, you know, creating this, this program, it would just never have been on the horizon <laughs> before the limitations of being able to physically get together. But that was hugely successful. The only other thing I would say is that for, for up and coming PRs, uh, and I know I've talked a lot about the strategy, but the creative is very exciting. 
you know, there's nothing better than, than, you know, planning a campaign, executing a campaign, seeing those results, testing, learning. That's a crucial, uh, crucial part to remember. Always test and learn. Um, but yeah, for me, it always comes back to you do have to do the thinking bit. The thinking bit is often more important uh, than the actual executing bit. I agree. I mean, that's what sets you up your whole campaign. If you put that legwork in at the start, then the execution, sure, it might take time and energy, but um, you are following a well-researched strategic plan. But I guess also you have to be adaptable as well for all the planning and researching that you can do up front. Things happen and you have to have the ability to... um, to move around quite quickly and adapt when need be. That's absolutely true, yeah. And that's strategy for any kind of client, isn't it? You know, you've got to put that legwork in at the start, but then be able to be flexible when the time requires. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for your time and insight today, Deborah. Thank you so much. A summary of the key points of the episodes will be up on the website now. And if you're studying or in the first few years of your PR career and would like to engage with other like-minded emerging PR professionals from around the world, feel free to join the PR Pod Facebook group. Just head to theprpod.com and you'll see more info on how to join. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.